Nebraska trash. And I would like to take a moment, really, to just hate on them. Or, or multiple moments. We can hate on them for multiple moments. You want to be loud? Scott Frost? Huh? Want to puff out your chest? Want to talk like a big boy? Win a game first. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Personal story to start the show today. Very short. I won't waste your time. I woke up this morning and I was feeling a little bit under the weather. Took my temperature. I, I had a fever, headache, my chest hurt, like my lungs just in pain. I don't know what that was about. I felt fatigued. So I, I got up, uh, did my morning activities, right? Brushed my teeth. I made breakfast. And then when I made breakfast, I realized that I, I, I couldn't taste or smell anything. Uh, but I pushed through it, right? I'm a hardworking blue-collar American. So I came to work anyways, uh, and here we are. We're starting the show. Now, don't worry. I don't have COVID, although those sound like all of the symptoms of COVID, and COVID should be taken very seriously. I, I don't have COVID. I just realized I'm still recovering from watching Monday Night Football last night between the Patriots and the Jets. Just recovering. It, but as the day has gone on today, I feel a lot better. But, and that was um, that was a tough scene last night. And I'm sure maybe some of you who, who watched and stayed to the end of that game, maybe you, you're still recovering too. So my, my thoughts are with you in this difficult time. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I, I seem to be making a full recovery, so I, I hope I hope the same happens to you. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and yes, I, I did try to think all day about a clever way to open the show. Last night's game sucked. I know it was close. I know there was a game-winning field goal. I, I don't care. That game was still terrible. I did not enjoy that for a second. That very much felt like work watching that game last night. Very much felt like work. We're going to talk about a lot today, uh, including last night's Monday Night Football game, because it is interesting. The game wasn't fun, but the storylines, they're interesting. The, the players and the coaches involved, that, that's very interesting. It's just last night's game, uh, not interesting at all. I could have just looked at the final score. In fact, I wish I would have just looked at the final score, but I had nothing better to do last night. We're going to talk about Monday Night Football. Uh, we're going to talk about the Packers, naturally. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We're going to talk about the Badgers. Uh, we're going to talk about the Vikings a little bit, because I, I know we said we're not going to talk about MVP on this show. We're not going to do it. But today, I feel as though I have a certain responsibility to talk about a, a, a certain MVP candidate whose name has been thrown around rather loosely, uh, which I don't appreciate. It's very cavalier uh, of these people to throw this name around in the MVP conversation, and I need to put that to bed. I don't want to, but it is my responsibility. I have to. I don't like talking about the individual awards on the show. I, I think we made that clear. We've seen enough MVPs in the last decade. I'm, I'm about championships, but I have a certain responsibility today as a radio host to, uh, to tackle that topic. That's coming up after 5 o'clock. We're also going to talk to our friend David Gasper of Reviewing the Brew about just baseball. Because the Brewers did have an award winner last night, speaking of individual awards. We didn't talk about it a whole lot, so you can't hold that against me. We just mentioned it briefly last night that Devin Williams is the National League Rookie of the Year. We are going to talk about that a little bit, but I also just want to chat with Gasper about kind of the World Series. There's a post-mortem. Is that the correct term? Look back on it. Talk about the World Series. Talk about Tony La Russa because this is a fascinating story. I don't know if you've been following this today. But Tony La Russa got a DUI. And the stories and the details that have stemmed from that DUI announcement, oh my God, it's gold. And if it wasn't 2020, it might just be the biggest story in the world right now. But you know how 2020 is. So we're going to talk to our friend David Gasper. I miss baseball. And I can't wait to talk to him coming up at 4.30. You are always welcome to join the show at 608-796-2558. If you want to shoot me a text, do it anytime. If you want to call, I will start taking calls here uh, in about 10 or 12 minutes. And of course, always on Twitter, you can find me at 
Wisco Grant. That's not just limited to during the show. You can tweet at me whenever. I would love to get in an argument on Twitter. That's what it's for, to argue, to tweet back and forth, and, and to go nowhere productive. That's what it's for. So you can find me and follow me at Wisco Grant. Let's talk about Monday Night Football last night. The Patriots won 30-27. to 27. I, I, I'm sure you all have differing opinions, uh, as I'm sure many of you are liberals, many of you are conservatives, some of you fall in the middle, some of you fall on both ends of the spectrum. I, I, I don't care. We have very um, uh, very big topics right now, like the, uh, the Affordable Care Act, the stimulus. That's very controversial, right? Should we have another stimulus? Should we give out money? Should we not? I have a suggestion that should be bipartisan. No matter where you fall on the political aisle, About last night, if you sat through Monday Night Football last night, start to finish, as I did, you deserve a $1,200 stimulus check. Does anyone disagree? Does anyone say no? I I think, forget COVID stimulus, and our state is in a bad spot right now, so I don't mean to joke about COVID as much as I do, but that's kind of what we have to do in 2020. I I think if you sat through that entire game last night, you deserve a $1,200 stimulus check. And I I know Tony Evers uh, resides in Madison. Does he not? Yes. So, Tony, if you're a listener of the show... I'm looking forward to your address tonight. And just know that if you were to award me a $1,200 stimulus check, a Monday night football check, let's call it, I will put it back into the economy. I will go to a local retailer and I will buy a PlayStation 5. And I will donate the rest to good... Well, okay, well, not the... PlayStation 5 would be like five. Okay, that's a lot of money. I'll donate some of it. I will donate some because I got to have money to get an extra controller and some games. But I'll donate a bunch of it and I'll put the rest into the local economy. Who says no? Tony Evers. First of all, if Tony Evers doesn't listen to the show, he's, he's missing out. Right, what a great way to unwind in a very stressful position as governor. I, I think $1,200 checks for anybody who sat through the game last night. I was angry watching this game. I was anger watching. Have you ever done that where you watch or listen to something just because it makes you angry? You do it out of spite. I was angry last night that I had to watch this game because I had nothing better to do. Right, I'm sure you felt this way where you're at, at work all day and you're like, God, I just can't wait to get home. I just can't wait to be done with the work day. Right, I can't wait to... to finish my last whatever, send that last email. For me, it's it's wrap up my show and go home and relax. I can't wait. And, and then you get home and you realize that you have nothing to do because it's 2020 and you can't do anything. And then you're just upset that I waited all day for this. This is what I was looking forward to. That was me last night, except all I had to do was watch Monday Night Football. So I was anger watching. And every time that I saw a catch or a tackle or a carry by a player who I didn't know, I just got angrier. The... the, the New England rushing last night. Uh, Rex Burkhead, Greg Olszewski. I'm pretty sure there's an Olszewski family, or not family, an Olszewski funeral home in Stevens Point. I'm 90% sure that's the thing. James White only got two carries. Is something wrong with James White? I thought they had good running backs. I thought New England had good running backs. Last night I'm watching Rex Burkhead and Gunnar Olszewski, who must be from Stevens Point. New England receiving Bird. Johnson, Jacoby Myers, who actually had a good night, so I'm not here to hate on Jacoby Myers. And then you have all of these New York defensive players who I've never heard of, like Bless Austin, Harvey Lange, Neville Hewitt. Get this off my TV. I don't need to watch that. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch teams who I actually know. And like, no disrespect to the Patriots. They've been the standard of excellence for the last two decades. Every bit of disrespect to the Jets because they are garbage. Why am I watching them on primetime TV, let alone on Monday Night Football, which is bad enough because watching live sports on ESPN is the worst, especially, especially Monday Night Football. That's the worst. This New England Patriots team is bad. It's bad. And it's not just because Tom Brady left, although that didn't help. I think Cam Newton has been fine. Cam was 27 to 35 
for over 270 yards last night. Cam was good. Cam was fine. He did his job. And and put Tom Brady back in the Patriots, they might be worse than 3-5. and five. Maybe they're a game or two better. It's, it's not the fact that Tom Brady left. That's not why New England is bad. And Bill Belichick summed this up with his radio hit on WEII. What was it, 10, 10 days, eight, 8 or 9 days ago now? He explained their situation perfectly. I'll share with you just a tiny bit of this interview. This is how it started, and this is an obs- God, I hate, I hate Patriots fans. It, what it sounds like is is like a lot of excuses, like COVID excuses, you know, things that things that you haven't ever said before. No, it's not. I didn't say it was an excuse. I never said that. No, I didn't say you did. Well, then don't. <laughs> what kind? Of, first of all, what kind of setup is that? You you accuse a coach of losing because of excuses. And then, and then you said you did. I just heard you. Oh God, doofus, I hate New England sports fans. This is Bill Belichick actually explaining. No, not excuses. This is the situation. And you might have seen this. It was going rather viral about a week or so ago. I mean, look, we paid Cam million, uh, Cam Newton a million dollars. I mean, it's obvious we didn't have any money. You know, it's nobody's fault. It's. I mean, that's what we did the last five years. We sold out and won three Super Bowls, played in the fourth, and played in an AFC Championship game. You know, this year we had. Less to work with. Traded a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. He's no longer on the team. Sound sound familiar? No? Okay, not the point. Patriots, they're, they're done. They're toast. They've put all their resources into pushing their chips to the middle of the table, and they're done. That, that is as simple as that. It's not that Tom Brady left. It's not that Bill Belichick isn't a good coach without Tom Brady. The Patriots are toast. They have no talent and no money. And they're not very good at drafting. And, of course, it doesn't help when you draft 31 or 32 every single year. It's hard to find Pro Bowl players. It's really hard to find Pro Bowl players when you're drafting 31, 32 every single year. And you know what? I'm glad that Patriots fans have to deal with this. I'm really bummed for Bill Belichick because I was hoping the Patriots would be good and we'd get to see Bill Belichick coach maybe a a different style of team without Tom Brady and do his thing and, and strut his stuff without Tom Brady. I thought Tom Brady gets a chance to prove himself. Bill Belichick should get the same chance. And he hasn't really got that chance because the roster's not there. The resources aren't there, which is probably why Tom Brady reasonably left to go to Tampa Bay in the first place. I'm bummed for Bill Belichick, but I'm so happy that Patriots fans have to deal with this. Like those hosts on WEI, they can eat it. What kind of setup is this? What it sounds like is is a lot of excuses, like COVID excuses, you know, things that that you haven't ever said before. No, it's not. I didn't say it was an excuse. I never said that. No, I didn't say you did. Well, you you did, though. Well, you literally just did. You literally did. Belichick's like, well, then don't. It's not worth my time. Just going to laugh it off. God, I mean, good. Good. Boston fans can see the Red Sox stink because they gave up a bunch of bad contracts and they couldn't keep Mookie Betts. And now they can watch the Patriots stink after 20 years of going forward every year. Imagine, imagine your team being three and five and you act like the greatest living head coach, the greatest head coach of this era is toast. He's not good anymore. Couldn't be me. Minnesota fans, if there are any listening, could it be you? No, 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 no. Minnesota, I, I say one thing about Minnesota fans, Vikings fans especially, being a Vikings fan gives you a great perspective on life. And I was talking to one of my best friends who's a Vikings fan a couple weeks ago. He came down to the lacrosse area. We were doing some fly fishing. And I said, you know what, Dan? I almost envy you as a Vikings fan because you can find enjoyment and solace in the smallest things. One NFC title run in 2017. Imagine how much joy you got out of it. And if your team loses, okay, fine. It's, it's not a, it's not a, a travesty. It's just being a sports fan. We could, we could use a little perspective from Minnesota sports fans, Vikings fans especially, and Timberwolves fans if there are any left. Right? Boston fans can suck it. They can, they can deal with this.
They can deal with this. Now, that's one half of the game. The Patriots did win last night, 30-27. to Now, the Jets, what about the Jets? They do have some fun wide receivers. T. Higgins is fun, or not T. Higgins, but Denzel Mims is fun to watch, and Rashad Perryman, I, I guess, is okay. They have a good future left tackle who never plays because he keeps getting injured because the Jets rush him back to the field. Even though they're 0-9 with no reason to rush anybody back to the field, they they keep running Mekhi Becton out there. He hurt his shoulder again last night. That's about it. That's about all they have. Now, an interesting thing with the Jets, I do love and hate both how Greg Williams is treated like the eccentric war veteran racist uncle that you just deal with and, and not the piece of garbage that he actually is. Greg Williams orchestrated Bounty Gate where players were literally paid to injure other players. And Greg Williams is still a coordinator in this league. Why? And it's funny. Announcers are always like, they make jokes. The Jets have 10 roughing the passer penalties this season. The next closest is Atlanta with four. And announcers like last night, Steve Levy and, and Lewis Riddick, oh, that, that cranky Greg Williams, you know he coaches a physical deep. No, he doesn't. He's a piece of garbage who coaches a cheap defense. Why do we entertain this? It always cracks me up. And he always ends up on a team. And right now he's with the Jets. He's a perfect wingman. Don't get me wrong to Adam Gase. They deserve each other. I, that was cracking me up. And it was like two days ago when we were watching Sunday Night Football. And the Sunday Night crew, albeit cautiously, and I'll give Al Michaels and and uh, Michelle Tafoya, I'll give them credit because they cautiously did so. But they had to deal with the Antonio Brown rap sheet, the controversy of everything he's he's got his nose in, and he's got all these outstanding issues, and the courts are going to decide. So Bruce Arians, well, wait for the courts to... Okay, sure, Bruce. Yeah, let's wait for the courts to make that decision. And I give the Sunday Night NBC crew a little bit of credit for at least cautiously discussing Antonio Brown. Last night, ESPN's like, well, yeah, as Cam Newton gets drilled, right, on a roughing the passer penalty. Well, you know, you'll have that with Greg Williams. He coaches one mean defense. No, he doesn't. He coaches a cheating defense. He literally paid players to injure other players. Why do we enter? Whatever, not the point. What really cracked me up last night was the Adam Gase stuff. The way the announcers talked about Adam Gase. People people were saying that Adam Gase, as head coach, wanted to lose this game to the point where he was running out 12 men on a field goal attempt that extended a Patriots drive. And then he didn't ice Nick Folk on the game-winning field goal for New England. And everybody's saying, oh, they're tanking right, leaving nothing up to chance. Oh, Adam Gase, he's leaving no stone unturned to lose this game. Adam Gase is a moron, and he's not going to get to coach Trevor Lawrence next year. Why would it be in, in his best interest to lose these games? It's in Joe Douglas's best interest to lose this game, which is why he probably traded away Jamal Adams and made some of the moves that he did. But Adam Gase is trying to win these games. He's just a brutal, really bad coach. Adam, It would be in Adam Gase's best interest to win as many games as possible because he's not going to be coaching the Jets next year. It doesn't matter who they draft. They can get 30 first overall picks. Adam Gase isn't going to coach any of them. He's just a really, really bad coach. Why would he throw games for the sake of draft picks? This isn't hard, folks, all right? I watched ESPN this morning. They're all joking. Oh, Adam Gase doing a good job. No, he's not. He's just dumb. He doesn't want to lose games. He just doesn't know how to do anything else. Not going to be around next year. He shouldn't be around right now. They should have fired him already. But then Greg with three Gs, Williams would be in charge. And then you'd have, you wouldn't have 10 roughing the passer penalties. You'd have 20. All right, let's talk about the Packers, the AFC, the NFC. And now the NFL might, maybe... Might expand the playoffs by one more team. We'll talk about that. And we'll get to David Gasper to talk baseball. Executive editor of Reviewing the Brew coming up at 4.30. Should be a fun Wisco sports show today. Stick around.
Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I appreciate you tuning in, spending some time with me this evening. I hope you're doing well. Text the show, 608-796-2558. And, of course, you can tweet the show and tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. You can find me if you uh, if you like wasting time and damaging your mental health on Twitter like I do. You can find me at Wisco Grant. Coming up in 10 minutes, we're going to talk to our good friend and friend of the show, David Gasper. He is uh, editor-in-chief, editor-at-large, uh, the, the big gun at reviewing the brew, uh, and he covers the Brewers very closely. But I, I kind of just want to BS about baseball, and of course, we'll talk Brewers probably most of the time, but I also do want to get his thoughts on this Tony Larusa mishap that's going on in the south side of Chicago. Uh, and let's talk about the World Series as well. I don't really want to get into COVID stuff and the Justin Turner racket, you know, whatever happened in, in game six with Justin Turner. I don't, we have enough COVID things to talk about without heaping on extra COVID conversations. But I do want to talk about the Rays and, and analytics and the, the way that everybody just came down so hard on the Rays. They're ruining baseball. We need to take baseball back from the nerds. Well, I, 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 I think it's great that the Rays are in the World Series. And they used analytics to overcompensate or compensate for their tiny payroll. <laughs> Talking about tiny, you know, things and compensation. Yeah, sorry, a little bit of a slip. So we'll talk about that coming up at 4.30. I'm excited to talk to our friend David Gasper. In the meantime, I want to talk about the NFL. And, and, and we just talked about the Patriots and the Jets, Monday Night Football last night. And I want to pivot and transition and, and bring the Packers into the fold here because this is the Wisco Sports Show after all. For years, talking about the Patriots, I, I've been able to hate on Tom Brady simply because he plays in the weak AFC. Right? All Brady had to do for years was just win his division, which, I mean, come on, it's not an accomplishment. You beat the terrible Bills, the terrible Jets, and the terrible Dolphins. Right? Win your division, get a bye, have home field advantage, beat a, a gimpy Big Ben with a walking boot on, and poof, he's in the Super Bowl. Right? Mix in a great defense and a great head coach. Okay. Yeah. It, you can see where Tom Brady has uh, such consistent success. And it sucks now because the narrative has changed, right? Tom Brady is out of the AFC, but now the AFC is the amazing conference. And now my team, the Green Bay Packers, and my guy, Aaron Rodgers, now we're in the bad conference. Now we're in the NFC. So I got I to gotta pivot here. I got to adjust my takes a little bit. The AFC right now, compared to the NFC, I am very glad the Packers are in the NFC. Pittsburgh is 8-0. They look really, really good. I, I'm not as sold on them as some other teams, but they're really nasty. A couple ballers on their defense. Guys that the Packers could add. Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, right? Devin Bush, who's hurt, and and unfortunately, the, the Steelers jumped up and drafted him before the Packers. I was really hoping they'd get Devin Bush, but they ended up with Rashawn Gary. Buffalo looks legit. Tennessee looks really, really tough, and they'll play the Packers here in a few weeks, so we'll get a good test there. Baltimore people are kind of fading, but they're still really, really strong. I love Las Vegas. I think they're fun. I love Miami. They're fun. Cleveland is fun, and they run the ball really, really well. There's a lot of fun teams in the AFC. Even the middle-of-the-road teams in the AFC are fun. Compare that to the NFC, the middle-of-the-road teams are the Bears, who are the opposite of fun. They are a vacuum cleaner that actively looks to take fun away. Sucks fun out of the room. They're the opposite, right? San Fran is middling at four and five, and they're really injured. They're interesting, but I don't, I don't like watching backups. I hate watching the Eagles because I hate that entire division. The Vikings are 3-5, and five, and Dalvin Cook is fun. But if Kirk Cousins has to do the most simple plays, now they become a train wreck, right? The NFC doesn't really hold a candle to the AFC this year. Compare the Chiefs to the Seahawks. Uh, I don't love that. Compare the Saints to the Bills. 
The Saints, the Saints are fine, and they're 6-2 and two atop the NFC right now. But their quarterback can't push the ball down the field. Their defense depends on the week, whether they show up. Right? Buffalo is legit, really well coached. And I know we all love to say the Saints are well coached, and it depends on the day. But Sean Payton has been known to make a gaffe here and there. Once again, also cheated back in 2008. I know nobody brings that up for whatever reason. Right? Packers versus Steelers. I think the Steelers are a much more complete team. I think Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback than Big Ben at this moment in time, especially if Big Ben gets hurt, right? And somehow he injured both knees and also his, he injured every bone in his body on on Sunday against the Cowboys, right? The AFC is a much stronger, much deeper conference and the young up and coming teams are all in the AFC, right? The Bengals, the Chargers, the Jets, (laughs) I'm kidding. The Browns, the Colts, if they get a quarterback, the Raiders, the Dalton, there's some fun teams in the AFC. The middle of the road teams, the bad teams in the NFC just suck. They, they, I don't want to watch the Giants. Sorry. I, I have zero interest in watching the Bears. Bears fans don't even watch, want to watch the Bears. The AFC is a strong conference. Packers cutting a little bit of a break this year. It's wide open in the NFC. Now, today, the NFL met and discussed some possible contingency plans in the event that meaningful games are missed down the line. Right now, if, say, for example, the Jets and the Jaguars miss a game in week 15 due to COVID, I don't think the NFL is going to put this plan into place. I haven't looked over it completely, but I, the way I read this, meaningful games get canceled and they have to shuffle things or add a week 18. This would mean that they add another playoff team. So we're looking at possibly 16 total teams, eight teams in each conference. I hate this idea. I really, I really, really hate this idea. I understand the theory behind this idea. I understand the spirit of this rule, but I still hate the rule because I think it's unnecessary. Even if games are canceled, I don't think you need eight teams in the playoffs. Hell, I don't, I don't even know if you need seven, honestly, especially in the NFC where one team is getting a free ride out of the AFC East as it is. You tell me, in the NFC, currently in are the Saints, Seahawks, Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, Rams. Those are the six teams that would be in in a normal year. The next team up would be the Bears. Is anyone arguing that the Bears are getting screwed out of a playoff spot right now? No. What about the Niners? With their injuries? No. No one's arguing that the Niners need a fair shake to get into the postseason. Now, the Eagles are going to be in there because the division race, whatever. Then the Vikings are next at 3-5. and Do we really? Well, games are canceled because of COVID. We need to give the Vikings a chance. No, we don't. The Vikings aren't any good. And I know they've really jumped on... Dalvin Cook the last few weeks, and they've had some favorable matchups, and they have a few more coming up. And I'm, I'm not a Vikings hater. I think I've been pretty, I think I've actually been like pretty positive around the Vikings. But the Vikings have no business being in the postseason, even with COVID. In the AFC, same thing. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, Las Vegas. Now, Miami's 5-3. and three. I guess you can make a case for them, right? But then it's Cleveland, Indy, Den- like, do we really need to give the Denver Broncos a chance? Like, are we dying to get the Broncos at Vic Fangio and Drew Locke? And, it, and I find myself in the same situation every year with the college football playoff. Everyone's like, expand it, expand it, expand it. Why? So we can watch TCU get smoked? Like, there's a drop-off after a certain point. Sure, you, you like the idea of giving every team a chance. We got to give everybody a chance. Well, okay, but is the chance worth that extra game, worth possible injury, worth watering down the product? And look, I'm... I, Football is always great. I'll take more football. But there reaches a point where, no, we don't need to expand the college football playoff because we don't need to watch Oregon get housed by Georgia by 30 points. Okay, well, Oregon got their chance. Great. Okay, they get their chance and they get killed. 
I don't see a reason to expand the postseason to give the Chicago Bears a chance. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. Seven games, seven teams, okay. We don't need to make it eight. Let's just not get any games canceled, then it won't happen. We don't need eight teams. Give them a chance. No, I would rather not. Let's talk baseball with our friend David Gasper coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a wonderful evening. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to talk about Packers football, Badgers football. We're even going to briefly, just for a moment, touch on Vikings football. A lot coming up before 6 o'clock, and your texts and calls always welcome at 608-796-2558. The call's just not right now because we got our friend David Gasper on the horn, editor-in-chief at Reviewing the Brew, and uh, kind of just our, our baseball friend of show. Gasper, I was I was starting to think about what I wanted to talk about this morning, and I'm like, well— we haven't talked to David Gasper in a while. Like, we could have him on. <laughs> we could find baseball things to talk about. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I that I kind of miss baseball. I don't miss the NBA right now. I'm enjoying the break. I miss baseball. Mm-hmm. I would take it back. I would take the Brewers back right now. Even that terrible offense, I'd, I'd take it. Yeah, absolutely. Same. I mean, just, just 60 games is not enough. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're used to 162 over six months, you know, plus plus a whole month long postseason, we we got two and a half months of baseball. Like it's it's just not enough. We got shorted. That's how I'm feeling today. Is, is I was not fully yeah. satisfied, um, which is which is a terrible feeling. Yeah. I, I want to start blame Rob Manfred for yeah. that one. Yes, yes. Let's blame Rob Manfred for everything today. I, I want to start with the World Series. I think we're about two weeks removed now. Um, Gasper, I'm sure you get this because we're both Brewers fans. I always want to cheer for the small market team. That, that being mm-hmm. said, I don't I don't necessarily hate this Dodgers team. I, what I do hate, I hate how everyone crushed Kevin Cash and the Rays for their use of analytics. Like, the Rays are ruining baseball. They're what's wrong with baseball. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Tampa Bay spent $80 million less than the Dodgers and were there in every game. They did a, an amazing job. They were competing for a title. And analytics is kind of what made that possible. And, and two weeks removed now, I, I guess, overarching thoughts, Dodgers, Rays, analytics, big spending, what are your takeaways now after we've kind of had two weeks to sit on this World Series and the Dodgers finally getting it done? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really interesting um, World Series. I mean, there there are many different ways that, I mean, you can get to the World Series. You know, sometimes it, it's a $200 million payroll. Sometimes, you know, you just have a, a $60, 70000000 million payroll. And you, you have to make do with what you have. And, I mean, the Rays built themselves in, an incredible roster filled with guys that, aren't making very much and you know that they got the most out of them and you know they, they got themselves right there and you know what Kevin Cash did in game six they're taking out Blake Snell um, it's not really like it shouldn't be a full rebuke of analytics because it, it is a analytics and whatnot that helped get them there mm-hmm. but when it came down to that decision there in game six it's just kind of and at that moment, you just have to go with your guy. You have to you have to go with Blake Snell um, over, you know, the, the analytics of, of cutting it short and bringing in Nick Anderson, who, while he was good in the regular season, uh, he gave up runs in each of his last six outings in the postseason. And at, at that moment, you got to to stick with Blake Snell, your your big time, big name, big money pitcher. And he he just didn't, and and that just it really cost him. 
Yeah, that made a lot of people mad. I- I'm not against going to your bullpen, right? The bullpen is the strength of your team. You're clinging to a small lead. Mm-hmm. You can't really wait for it to get out of hand. I, I just would have preferred him to go to a different pitcher, right? And-, and all of the metrics and analytics really, nothing pushed him towards Nick Anderson. He hadn't pitched well. He was the exact kind of pitcher that Mookie Betts tends to eat up. So I, it's a bummer that that's the way it ended. Once again, I- nothing anti-Dodgers. I always want to cheer for the small market team. But right. Good for Los Angeles. They, they finally got over the hump. I, I want to talk about Tony La Russa because when this move happened, Gasper, <laughs> I thought it was the weirdest move in the world. This was, what, two yeah. weeks ago? However long ago it was. I can't keep track of time. Everyone's trending younger. Managers are trending younger, and yet they bring in 76-year-old Tony La Russa to go with this young, exciting But It just didn't make sense. It was a weird move before this week when the news of this DUI came out, and now you have players like Marcus Stroman, a a player that the White Sox would love to have as they try to build themselves into a contender. Players like Marcus Stroman on Twitter saying they would never play for Tony La Russa. Doesn't matter how much they're paid. What the actual hell is going on with the Chicago White Sox in this decision? I'm reading into this. It seems like it's just the guy Jerry Reinsdorf wanted. It makes no sense. Like, Can you explain this to me at all? Yeah, so apparently with uh, the Mets sale from the Wilpons to Steve Cohen, the White Sox have become the new Mets of Major League Baseball (laughs) and making dumb decisions. Like, this is honestly something that I I couldn't even have imagined how horribly this this backfired on them. I mean, first it started with A.J. Hinch saying, yeah, I was interested in that job, but they didn't interview me, they they didn't want me, and they went with Tony LaRusso, a guy who retired nine years ago, you know, was already inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it just seemed weird. I mean, the White Sox have, you know, kind of a young, you know, let the kids play kind of vibe. And Tony LaRusso really doesn't have that kind of vibe. No. So it was it was an interesting fit to begin with. Um, so, so they bring him in. And, and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, uh, he basically wanted to correct the mistake that he made in 1986 when he fired Tony LaRusso. So it's like, hey, I'm going to bring him back in 2020 now. Um, to correct that mistake from 1986, which is like, I sure. mean, it seems a little late for that one, but oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> and now, like, they apparently knew about this at the time, and now all the details are, are coming out of Tony LaRusso telling the cop, basically, do you know who I am? I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's so bad. And I, I, I don't know how much longer the White Sox can, can keep with Tony LaRusso. Uh, being there because I mean th- this is a PR nightmare. Th- this is a a nightmare when in terms of of trying to attract players to your team. The, the White Sox are essentially shooting themselves in the foot with, with what they're doing. I mean they're hiring Larusa now they're sticking with them. All these ugly details are coming out, and it's just it's not a good look for the organization. Yeah, it's weird. And Rick Renteria, the guy they fired, could end up winning Manager of the Year tonight when that's announced. Right? That's tonight. So it's it's just <laughs> yeah. such an odd. It's such a mess. And I, I agree with you. I, I want that. I want that to happen now more than anything because that would just be hilarious. Yeah, it would be <laughs> so yeah. much irony. It doesn't really affect anything. It would just be really, really funny. And and I agree with you. The White Sox end up might end up moving on from him just because they feel like they have to before he ever manages a game. Uh, David Gasper reviewing the brew. Let's do some Brewer stuff. Last night, Devin Williams or Dave Williams, which I think is which I think is hilarious. He was just announced yeah. as NL Rookie of the Year last night. Turns out. He's on vacation in Jamaica, which is a boss move. Uh, and I saw, oh, weirdly, yeah. Andrew Wagner and Tom Hodricourt voted against him, which they are now banned from the show. They've never been on the show, but they're ba- I'm banning them anyways. <laughs> Can you, um, I, I guess I just, I'll open the door wide open. After watching Devin Williams for 60 games, can you 
try to put that rookie season into perspective, just how dominant he was? Yeah, I mean, it was honestly a, a crazy historic season for, for Devin Williams. And, you know, I, I was able to talk with Andrew Wagner um, on Twitter yesterday about his vote and, like, why he went the way that he did. And I mean, it essentially came down to the debate that a lot of these writers face. I think it's, you know, do you put more emphasis on, you know, a player that, that can play every day, is out there all the time, versus a guy who only played in about a third of the games and you know he doesn't pitch as often so it's a little bit more you know difficult from them for that for from that standpoint um but yeah like just looking at his numbers i mean he only allowed one hit off of his changeup, eight hits total yeah he struck out 53 guys in 27 innings he only gave up one earned run all season like it it's just insane he is the first person he's a first reliever to win rookie of the year without recording a single save i think since ever like it's i think he might be it's yeah. incredible yeah but the, the last time there was a reliever that didn't lead his team in saves that won rookie of the year was i believe 1999 but since like the dead ball era like there hasn't been anyone who who has put up numbers like this it, it's absolutely insane and his changeup is, is ridiculous. His fastball is ridiculous. And uh, we, we had a pitching ninja um, on, on our podcast, uh, the, the Cold Brew podcast from Reviewing the Brew. Uh, we had him on last week, and we were talking about this. And, and we are just like, how is, like, there's no way Williams could not be rookie of the year. Like, it's just, it, it was insane what, mm-hmm. what he did and the, the stuff that he has going forward. It's really cool. And you bring up Rob Freeman, the pitching ninja on Twitter, if you don't follow him. It's it's a really entertaining baseball account because he'll just post cut-ups. And he posted like 45 to 50 straight seconds, just a, a straight video of, of swing and misses on Devin Williams' change-ups. They're not even close. Like Paul Goldschmidt is jumping away from the plate on change-ups that break to the outside corner. Right, like he he was yeah. untouchable. He was his stuff was unreal. But Gasper, I think you speak about Devin Williams' impact. I, I think the 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 bullpen, specifically in Milwaukee under Craig Council, puts Devin Williams in an amazing spot because Craig Council, I think, has shown. And you know that I'm a huge Council fan. And even if you even if you don't mm-hmm. have strong feelings, I think we can all agree that Craig Council knows how to manage relievers and he knows how to put them in the best spot to succeed. Devin Williams certainly benefited from that this year. And I, I guess moving forward into 2021. What becomes of Devin Williams' role? What becomes of Corey Knable's role? And maybe how does the bullpen shape up in hopefully what is going to be a more normal year next year? Yeah, the the bullpen next year, the, there is a lot up in the air about that one. Um, Corey Knable is facing a tender decision at just over, um, it's projected to be $5.125 million this year. I don't know if the Brewers are going to pick that up. They they might, they might not. Um, if they don't, they might try to sign him back for less. He might sign elsewhere because yeah. uh, he'd become a free agent. Josh Hader, I think there's a good chance that they look to trade him this year. Um, so he could end up being gone. I, I think there's a decent chance Devin Williams could end up uh, being the closer in 2021 um, should, should that happen. So uh, I, I think he's going to be in a, a good good spot to pitch, you know, big important innings you know all down the line next year if they trade hater which which i agree with you is a reasonable possibility right that's not outrageous if they trade hater is it going to be for a bundle of prospects to rebuild this farm system or do you think the brewers are going to try to trade him for a player a bat that can help them right now because i 
I think the pitching that they have is is very, very good. Relief and starting pitching. If they just get some offense, I actually think this team could contend. Right? Are, are they gonna? Are they trying to rebuild yeah. the farm system? Are they are they trying to get bats? What are they doing if they move Hater? If they move Hater, I have no problem with it as long as they have a clear goal and and they accomplish that goal. Yeah. So I mean, with Hater, and uh, I'm gonna have articles on this coming up. I'm reviewing the Brew. Um, you know, starting tonight, just kind of you know going forward cool. through the off season on what they could get with this. Uh, but it really depends on who they would trade him to and, and what the team has that, that, that they're going to be willing to send back. And I, I think there's a chance that, you know, that they look at an impact um, big league player right now, um, probably a bat, and then maybe trying to fill out the package with, with a couple of other prospects. Um, I'm assuming at least one pitching prospect, because normally when you trade a pitcher, you try to get a pitcher back at least one. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they could go that route, um, or they could end up going with a whole bunch of, of prospects, a couple maybe, you know, one or two blue chip prospects, and, and fill out the the, the proposal. Um, but it really depends on who they're talking to. If they're talking to the White Sox or the Dodgers or the Padres or the Yankees or or whoever it is, you know, it, that's going to depend what they get back, whether it's a big league ready pl- player now or a bunch of prospects. Um, David Stearns has has set a high price on Hater, and it's just a matter of finding a team uh, willing to pay it and, and finding a match. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm I'm not against the idea of trading Hater if they have a goal and they think they can improve the team and, and improve their farm system, their their offense. Because I think Hater is an asset that that is decaying in value, um, and if the Brewers aren't going to get over the hump with Hater, I, I would rather them get something out of him. Uh, and I'm not against it at all. I'm certainly going to follow your work. And, and if the Brewers make moves, if they make decisions on these players, I'd love to have you back on at some point this winter. Other than that, Gasper, let's just cross our fingers that we can maybe go to some spring training games. <laughs> uh, it seems like a stretch, but we'll oh, cross yeah. our fingers. We'll be hopeful. And, and, and that would be a blast um, if we're able to do that. So I appreciate you coming on. And I hope I have a reason, a good reason, the Brewers doing something exciting to bring you back on soon. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, this is probably going to be a, a slow... Uh, off-season market across baseball, just with with how money and the pandemic and everything's working out. I would imagine. So it, it's it's probably going to be a bit until we see some you know big you know earth-shattering kind of moves. But I mean they they have I think ten days now until they have uh, to protect prospects from the Rule Five draft. They got another couple of weeks. December second is the non-tender deadline. So there's still going to be a couple of decisions um, over the next couple of weeks, and obviously the winter meetings, which are virtual this year, but you know that should still spur some action. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's it's a good off season, even if it's slow uh, for the Brewers. Gasper, thanks again for your time, buddy. I'd love to have you back on soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Grant. Take care. Yeah, you as well. That's David Gasper, editor in chief, the big man at reviewing the Brew. His work is uh, awesome, and you can find him at dgasper24. On Twitter. All right, coming back a couple minutes before five o'clock. Today is a very special day, a historic day. Not really related to sports, but it's something I want to talk about. And the Packers didn't play on Sunday, so bear with me. We'll do that coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show back in a few minutes. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for tuning in, hanging out. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. We're going to get back into NFL. Monday Night Football, Packers, Vikings, you know, that whole, you know, the point we're here. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We'll get back into that in a couple of minutes after 5 o'clock. If you want to get your texts in, you absolutely can. 
608-796-2558. And you can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. You might be thinking, Grant, I've never heard you use this song before. Yes, this is a very deliberate choice. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Now, I know our morning show host, Dave, here in lacrosse this morning, uh, was playing this song on his show. On this day, 1975, 29 men tragically perished. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And an amazing song. And as a Great Lakes guy, like my, I would rather go to the Great Lakes than the ocean. Like I would rather go to Lake Superior or Lake Michigan. I would rather do that than go to Florida. Honestly, the, the ocean is so, it's so overrated. It's so overrated. Now, if we're talking about Seattle, like Puget Sound is awesome, and that kind of feels like a great lake. So, okay, if I have an opportunity to go there over Lake Superior, I'd probably do it. I'm a, I'm a great lake over an ocean person. Lake Superior is my favorite place to go in Wisconsin. What I would not give, truthfully, to be up there right now. And I love hosting the show. If you had an opportunity to be at Lake Superior right now, I would drop everything and I would go. Favorite place in Wisconsin, other than where I live. What I would not give to be there on the shore of the big lake right now, sipping coffee, listening to Gordon Lightfoot, just looking out into the cold waves, nobody annoying me, no politics, just just peace and quiet, sound of waves crashing against the shore. Maybe there's a ship way out, way out there, but I can't hear it. It's not bothering me, right? See, up on the shores, they call it Gichigumi, right? It's what the natives call it. You don't have to, when you're up there, you just don't have to worry about Brewer's payroll, not a concern. You don't have to worry about the Packers' first-round pick because up in Brule, Wisconsin, or up in Ashland or Iron River or Superior, you don't have to worry. Like they, I don't even know that they know that Jordan Love was picked by the Packers. They're just vibing. They're just chilling, relaxing, up in the peace and quiet. They don't even know that Graham Mertz got COVID. They might not know COVID is a thing on the north shore of, of Wisconsin, up on Lake Superior. They might not know. At 7 what I would not give to be up there right now. I wouldn't have to think about the passing of Alex Trebek, which Aaron Rodgers talked about that. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers coming up at 5.30. I would kill to be up there right now. Just some peace and quiet. Serenity now. Don't have to think about why Tony Larusa, the old racist drunk, you don't need to think about why he is the manager of the White Sox. It's just not a concern up there. 608-796-2558. Trish text in says, Tony LaRussa, drunkard. That's, Trish, you said everything that needs to be said. You don't need to elaborate. We don't need to elaborate at all. Yeah, if you didn't read the story, Tony LaRussa, who had a DUI back in the day when he was at spring training in Florida with the Cardinals because they're in the Grapefruit League, Brewers in Arizona in the Cactus League. He had one previously, but it was a while ago. And I guess this is from earlier this year when he was in Arizona. He was around the airport and he ran his car under the curb and it was smoking. And when the cop confronted him about it, I guess Tony LaRussa like tried to big time the cop. He's like, "Hey, I'm a Hall of Famer baseball man. I'm a, hey, I'm a World Series champ. You don't want to mess with me." And this cop was probably like, "Man, you are old as dirt. Do I need to do I need to help you find your house?" That's probably what the cop said. No, the cop said, "Hey, I'm not going to embarrass you, man, but we you are hammered. We do need to give you a DUI. Please come with me." Not going to not going to humiliate you. I'm not I know you're a baseball Hall of Famer, sure, Tony, but you're also you're also plastered drunk, and you crashed your car onto this curb. You had a light pole, and your car is smoking. Sorry, we got to we got to do something about that, buddy. That was the text from uh, from Trish. You said all the right things, Trish. Drunkard, drunkard, and now it's and now players are specifically saying on social media, on Twitter, they're like, "I'm not playing for him. I'm not playing for the White Sox." Marcus Stroman, who is the exact kind of player that the White Sox want, because the White Sox have this young, exciting core. 
really youthful and energetic and and they just they they have a certain energy in the same way that the Padres do right just a young exciting core they push back against the norms of baseball the unwritten rules of baseball and it's fun and they're youthful and then Jerry Reinsdorf for whatever reason is like hey I know I know who we need as manager I need to hire Tony La Russa. yeah I know he's 76 who cares he's just what we need and then Marcus Stroman who's the exact kind of player that could take the White Sox over the hump he's like nah I don't care how much money you give me. I'm not I'm not playing for that dirtbag. Not playing for that guy. It's not even an anti-Cardinals thing, right? I've never met Tony La Russa. I'm sure he's the sweetest old man in the world. That's what he looks like. Kidding. He looks like a very crabby old man. He looks like he would cuss at you if you set one toe, one toe on his yard when you were walking the dogs. You know, some family walking the dogs down the neighborhood. Oh, you got to take one step onto the grass. Yeah, you're getting yelled at by Tony La Russa. He's going to chase you off of his lawn. That's what he looks like. And it's, it's, once again, it's not me. I don't have personal experience with him. Marcus Stroman says, I don't care how much you pay me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? I'm not playing for that man. Exact kind of player the White Sox would want. I hope, I hope that Jerry Reinsdorf and the White Sox got what they want. Finally got a young, exciting core. Finally on the up and up. Finally sticking it to the Cubs just a little bit. Making the Cubs sweat. Feeling like they might not be the best team in Chicago. And what do you do? You hire Tony La Russa. Tony DUI La Russa. It's kind of funny kind of funny when it's not my team. DUIs aren't funny, but hiring a 76-year-old manager who has a DUI and who all the players hate, that's that's funny. That's funny. We'll talk college football, Packers. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers. All coming up after 5 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Aaron Rodgers, coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll hear from him. He touched on just about everything this week. COVID protocols and the way that that's changed team dynamics. He even talked about Alex Trebek, which is my favorite part of the interview. I'm looking forward to getting to that. First, let's get to the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Caller, welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Happy to have you. Well, thank you. How are you doing today? What's going on? Oh, well, it's Brett from uh, yesterday, and I just wanted to call about them jet. <laughs> I thought that's what I saw, and I never like to assume because I have caller ID, Brett, but sometimes it yeah. works and sometimes it doesn't. So I never like to assume because I don't want to be wrong because then it's really awkward. Yeah. Um, right. You kind of nailed it last night, my friend. I did, which won me the week, which won me a whole $50, but uh, it, it's the full season that matters. So last night I know you were like, well, if it was mine, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but what, what I didn't explain is that this is a, a year-long pool through glory days, mm-hmm. and we bet every game every week against the spread, so we're only halfway through. So last night's one pick really didn't mean much, except I won the, the weekly pot. Well, the weekly pot, my friend, you can, you can do a lot of damage with $50, but also think of it this way, right? Coach says one week at a time. Players say one week at a time. You won this week, and you won a game that probably not many people did because the Jets covered the spread. The Jets covered a, a, what would have been a three-and-a-half-point spread, so you were way out in front of this, my friend. Right. Yep, and it was it was seven-and-a-half because uh, they go through CBS Sports, um, and they lock in the spread Tuesday morning every week, so it stays. It won't it won't adjust throughout the week with, with money coming in. So. And that didn't scare you off. The seven didn't scare you off. I had nine, and, and I was would have been scared at nine, but the seven didn't scare you off. Did you happen to call nope. Dave Carney this morning and give him a uh, piece of your mind? I, I didn't call him, but uh, during one of his breaks, uh, he did go ahead and send me a message and say, 
I really hope you did not listen to me. And I said, <laughs> well, I said, uh, G. Bills and I had had pretty good conversation last night and uh, talked about you. And no, I didn't go with either of yours. God, that's so funny. I'm going to hold it because Dave is very good at betting. Like, he understands how this works. Like, I, I pay attention to spreads and it's on my radar, but I don't. I don't bet like like that's a big part of Dave's show here in lacrosse. So it's it's very funny. Yeah. And I'm going to have to get on him for that, because if, if I'm discussing picks with my listeners and my listeners are winning, then I'm, I'm going to hold that over him as I absolutely should. Yeah, well, he had a bad week. And I mean, it happens. No, it man. happens when you take Fridays off. Uh, <laughs> bound to happen. That's so funny that you said that. Brett, thanks for calling in, my friend. And I'm glad you won 50 yeah. bucks. I would love to hopefully at some point be able to go to glory days or be able to go to a bar and and see some of our listeners and, and enjoy well, games together. You could but. just purchase it. That would be good. Yeah, that is true. It is for sale. Maybe I'll become a bar owner, and then I can do yeah. my own pool. And then I can... Right, do your show right from there. <laughs> exactly. I can build a studio in glory days. Well, Brett, thanks yeah, for calling perfect. in. I was hoping I'd hear from you today, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. Yeah, be well, Brett. That's If you missed yesterday, Brett called in, and we were talking about Jets, and he wanted advice on who to bet. Uh, the Jets... Or the Patriots, the Jets minus, or the Patriots minus seven and a half. And I told him, I let's do the Jets. Let's have fun. And he talked me into it. At first I said, I I don't know. And he talked me into it because I I, I wanted to dream. I wanted something to, to cheer for. And the Jets, I'll pull for the underdog. So Brett winning 50 bucks last night. Despite our morning show host, Dave Carney, who has been taking Fridays off. And it's hilarious that, that Brett mentioned that. I was hoping he'd call today. Thanks for giving me a ring, Brett. I appreciate it. Um, let's talk about something else that we have been proclaiming boldly on the show. We were doing picks yesterday a little bit just for fun. Weeks ago, I proclaimed boldly that I would not talk about individual awards on this show, that we weren't going to talk about MVPs, right? Because in the last decade, think about it. We have done most improved players with Giannis, MVPs, Rogers, Braun, Yelich, Giannis, executive year, coach of the year. I, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it, right? I want championships. I'm not going to waste time on this show lobbying on why Christian Yelich should be the MVP. I'm, I'm over it. Right? I've seen that. I've done that. It was fun. I, I want something more. I, I'm looking for something more rich, more wholesome. Right? I want a championship. I don't just want an MVP trophy. And yesterday's show, I said that it's not time to talk about the MVP yet. I had a texter text in. Schmidt, our good friend, uh, asked if Josh Allen should be the MVP. And I said, I, I don't know. Like It's not really time yet. And I still agree that it's not time. But today, I do have to go against my own advice. And we are going to talk about the MVP just to push back on some nonsense some nonsense that I have seen. Folks really think that Dalvin Cook is in the MVP conversation, huh? Like, really? Like, really? We, we believe this? There are people, and I'm not calling out you listeners, but I've, I've read a lot of smart writers, smart bloggers, media people who, who believe this. Seriously. Like, Pro Football Talks and NBC's Mike Florio wrote a piece on this. This is, this is the title. The MVP has become a quarterback award. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook could change that in 2020 if he keeps doing what he's been doing lately. I'm not I'm not I'm not paid enough for this. I do I really need do we really need to have a conversation on why Dalvin Cook is not the MVP of the NFL at least not through 9 weeks? This is dumb. This is dumb. I I don't get paid. Okay, here's the here's the question. Here's the here's the million dollar question. You tell me the answer and it will decide whether or not Dalvin Cook is even eligible, nay, uh, far be it from leading the MVP conversation. Here's the question. Ready? <clears throat> Are the Minnesota Vikings closer to drafting a quarterback or closer to making the playoffs? What, what, what's more likely? That they draft a quarterback in the top five, top ten of the NFL draft or make the postseason? 
is drafting a quarterback, and it's not close. They're not making the playoffs, let alone contending in the playoffs. And I like to, I feel like I've been balanced on the Vikings. I think I've defended them and said they're not as bad as their record shows. Tough matchups, tough breaks. They'll get it going. They have some favorable matchups. They probably win seven, eight, nine games, which could put them in a position to draft a quarterback, especially if they're willing to trade up, maneuver around, or, or take a project quarterback not in the top five, so not named Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. The Vikings are much closer to drafting a quarterback than they are to making the playoffs. That's all you need to know about Dalvin Cook and his MVP candidacy. Here's another argument. Not against Dalvin Cook, who's been brilliant, but against a running back winning the MVP. Here's the way, and I saw Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus put this hypothetical out on Twitter, and I thought it was brilliant. Think of it this way. Quarterback award versus running back award, the MVP. If a quarterback was as good at being a quarterback as Dalvin Cook is as good at being a running back, said quarterback's team would not be below 500. And that's why running backs aren't MVPs. Dalvin Cook is arguably the best running back in the league right now. He's certainly the most productive. You could argue for Alvin Kamara, McCaffrey when he's healthy, right? It's it's a little bit ambiguous. But you could certainly make the argument that Dalvin Cook is the best, biggest, strongest, fastest running back. Certainly most productive right now because his team is leaning on them. But Dalvin Cook's team is below 500. And if Dalvin Cook was this amazing at another position, say, I don't know, quarterback, then we could have a conversation. But he's not. They're three and five, and they're closer to drafting a quarterback and building for the future than they are making the postseason. You could argue that Justin Jefferson and Eric Kendricks are both more valuable Vikings. In fact, I think they both are. Justin Jefferson and Eric Kendricks and their amazing performances so far this year are the reasons the Vikings are okay. And they're only okay at three and five. Now, a lot of people thought the Vikings would go one and 15 and draft Trevor Lawrence. And I said, no, they're not that bad. The reason the Vikings are okay and not terrible are Justin Jefferson, Eric Kendricks, Mike Zimmer, and okay, sure, yes, also Dalvin Cook. But what's Dalvin Cook's argument for MVP? Think about it this way. What's the best argument for Dalvin Cook? That if he doesn't get hurt, they maybe beat Seattle, and at that point, then they're 4-4? and Not exactly an overwhelming MVP case. And, And if we're judging the MVP off hypotheticals, let's do a hypothetical with Deshaun Watson who's been incredible. He's He might be the second-best quarterback in football right now. But his team's 2-6. and six. Sorry. Sorry. He's a running back. He's a running back. His team's 3-5. and five. I don't want to hear about it. All right. Now let's pause the MVP talk until later on in the season. Let's take a break. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers about some awesome, interesting conversations. And, yes, lots of football stuff, too. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. 